Recorded live. Engage someone in a fight. And let me reduce this to, to an analogy, okay? You're in a bar, and there's a bully, and he's messing around with all the women, and he's picking with people, and he's a big guy, and he's really being a jerk. So either you can take the high road by doing the right thing, by calling the cops and say, hey, this guy's screwing with everybody, or you can walk up to him and do the wrong thing and punch him in his face. Now, you might be justified. He might deserve it. But then it gives him the opportunity to call the cops on you. And now you're the bad guy. Now, taking that dynamic and that analogy and applying it to this, somebody does need to put the government in its place so that they won't stop doing the things that they're doing, not just by taking people's land, by taking people's rights, by indefinite detention in Chicago, by, uh, unconstitu- by a non-constitutional zone all around the perimeter of this country, and, and that meant them. But how you go about it is just as important as if you go about it at all. You cannot be stupid. You have to think this out. You have to calculate and say, if I do this, how will that help the other side? And I'm going to tell you right now, this is a gold mine for the Obama administration. You may think, you know, people may argue with me, but I'm telling you, if there's a shot fired in anger and if somebody gets killed, they're going to say, you know what, this is why we got to do what we do. This is why we have the, the, the police state system. This is why we have the NSA going through all your records to make sure that you're not a terrorist. This is why, this is why, this is why. They're going to have all these things already lined up, and they're going to appear legitimate, and that's what you want to snatch out of their hands. You have to outthink them. And this is what these guys did not do. They didn't outthink them. They acted on emotion, they got the guns, and they ran down there, and they occupied a building that none of them owned. Right. Okay, just hold right there. Uh, there's several callers live on the line. One of them I'm going to bring in right away. Um, he's a colleague of mine, Etta Robertson. Uh, he already interviewed Michael Emery, who's going to be coming on the program shortly. Uh, so he did a program just about an hour ago. So I'm going to let him give us an update. And in the meantime, the other callers on the line, if you have a question or a comment you want to make, uh, you're welcome on the program. Just dial one, and that indicates to me that you want to come on, and then just give me a few minutes to get you on, uh, because I know we have a few callers on live. I'm going to go ahead and bring in um, Etta. I, I don't know if, if you – do you want to be referred to as Etta, or do you want to be referred to as Brian? Etta is hey, Brian, my wife. Hey, Brian, you're live. Etta yeah, is Etta, that's my, Etta is my wife. That's, okay, my name is Brian. Brian, Etta, yeah. But I, yeah, I thought you told me Etta was a nickname. It is. It's for my wife. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I apologize. Um, that. Uh, that is fine. So I agree with what he's saying, and and it's it's bad timing 
that's what I'm worried about. If you look at CNN and and even Fox kind of plays it down some, all the mainstream media is talking about how I was talking to Michael Emery, Emery earlier, and one of the things I told him, I said, it's really bad timing. You go back to the Boston bombing, the very initial day. Who did they blame the Boston bombing on? They tried to say it was some right-wing conservative white person. Well, that didn't last a full day, okay? Then you go through all the different narratives of, of minor events that happened or major events, and the most recent was San Bernardino, and how CNN tried to push the narrative that it was some right-wing conservative white guy. They're constantly putting out that white people with guns are dangerous. He is, this, your guest is absolutely spot on that if something happens, they're going to blame it on white people. So if they're going to go through with this, they need to really be aware of their surroundings, the people that are there, because the government has been caught on numerous occasions doing agent provocateurs they get one of their people in place that fires the first shot. There it goes, the ball game right there. That's what I'm really concerned about. Exactly, exactly. And once once they yeah. uh, if if they decide to invoke the terrorism powers, then they, now they can use drones and missiles. And I, I, I'm sorry. I mean, like I said, I I really appreciate their stand. But I want everybody to come home safe. There's a better way to do this. And I just, I don't know. I'm hearing very similar stuff. I'm reading very similar stuff on this Facebook thread. Um, this is an unfortunate gift to the opposition, right? That that makes a lot of sense, Bo Keller. Uh, also, I see a post from OathKeepers.org. Uh, the Hammond family does not want an armed stand off, which I, uh, which I assumed. Um, and I've been talking about, and I think that's part of the reason why the Hammond uh, dad and son um, actually turned themselves in. I think that they're trying to separate themselves um, from the Bundy family, from the Bundy people. Now, my, my, my question is now, what if, so we don't know, you know, what their plan is, right? So they're there, they're occupying, occupying the building. What if they do have an exit plan? We don't know about it. Is that possible? Um, Mike, do you want to take this one and I'll, I'll, I'll finish after you? That's Brian. Mike's not on oh, yet. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Brian, do you want to take this and I'll yeah. finish? Uh, I'll, I... um, do you ha- think it's possible to have a plan? The Hammonds? No. They plan no, on doing no, their No, not time. the Hammonds. I'm talking about the Bundys. The Bundys? They, you know, this is on the, them right now, yes. I don't know who's running the psychological operation. I don't know who's giving them – I call it a psychological operation – because we really don't know who's running the show. The figurehead are the, is the Bundy brothers, okay? They are the ones that are the spokesperson. But who's directing them behind the scenes? Because why would you say you are there for the long haul? There have been statements made that if it goes violence, they're prepared for violence. They are not planning on going nowhere. If you were going to do a protest, that's fine, because what the Hammonds have went through is wrong. The Hammonds did nothing wrong, and they're being railroaded. 
So a protest is justified, but to carry it to this level and the timing of it, who is running the narrative? That's the question I got. Could it be like an agent provocateur? Could it be a false flag? Could it be, is that what's the imminent danger here, that whoever is occupying those buildings is, you know, put there for a reason? Um, That's something that's being inferred uh, right now on my Facebook page. There is no direction, or, or, okay, there is no direction, quote, unquote, behind the Bundys. They are self-acting. Yeah. Uh, Raquel, listen, uh, I I look at history as my guide, and and I've had a, a wealth of, of historical points already for you, but I'm going to just name a few of them. What's happening right now is something that's called siege warfare. It's, it's very old. The Romans used to do it. Genghis Khan used to do it. The Huns used to do it. And it it just, the dynamics of this, of this fighting goes like this. You have group a that's holed up in a fort or some type of fortification and group B surrounds them. Now, if you're in, if, if you're, uh, you know, at a disadvantage being in the center, being surrounded, they have the, – the other force has all day, all year, all month to figure out how to get inside you, how to get in there and kill you off. Um, you know, look at the Maginot Line in, in, World, in uh, World War II, the start of World War II. Uh, you know, old German uh, – excuse me, old Frenchmen had the thinking of World War I and tried to apply it to World War II. The Germans just simply just went around the line. They had all, all day long to figure out how do we uh, get around this fixed fortification. Keeping that methodology and the method and the dynamics in, in, in mind, when you occupy a, a fixed position, that gives the enemy all day to, first of all, surround you, to deny you food, to deny you water, to deny you electricity, to deny you uh, uh, communications, you're actually putting yourself at a very big disadvantage. There's a thousand years worth of history that shows that people that take on this mentality of I'm just going to hunker down and, and, you know, I'll be okay, they, it never ends okay. I mean, there's, there's very few instances in history where a defender of a fixed position uh, actually came out on top. You know, I do exclude uh, the Battle of the Bulge, you know, Bastogne. That was one of the things that the, shi- the shining jewel of, of the siege mentality uh, uh, doctrine that actually turned out okay for, for the Big Red One in World War II. Everything else, pretty much, is that if you, if you occupy a, 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 a fixed position, count on being overrun. Even, uh, you know, uh, Vietnam, Dien Bien Phu, the, uh, the French had a base there, and all the Vietnamese did is just line the hills and shoot the base, bomb the base. And I can guarantee you that the government is surrounding or establishing a perimeter around where these armed men are. So the dynamics of the situation are that it's not going to turn out well for the guys, no matter how well-intentioned they are. They're going to run out of food. They're going to run out of water. They're going to run out of electricity because they're probably going to cut the lines. They're going to jam the cell phones so so nobody knows what's going on in there. So basically they're at a disadvantage. They just don't know it. So stop that. That's scary. Um, Guys, I have another – I have somebody who's been listening in from the beginning of the program and also commenting on um, Facebook. He's a Facebook friend of mine, Bo Kaleher. I'm going to bring him on uh, to either ask a question or make a comment. Uh, Bo, you there? Hi, Raquel. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. 
Do you want to go ahead and just um, give us your perspective? Yeah. So oh, for actually, could you could you just introduce yourself, one or two lines? Yeah, sure. My name is Bo Kelleher. I've been a liberty activist uh, since the uh, 2008 days of the Paul campaign. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've been a, a constitutionalist and really cared about uh, constitutional law, um, you know, especially as it care, you know, uh, comes down to local land issues. Um, and uh, I've got some expertise Excellent. on land, Thank you. land issues. Thank you. Great. Okay, go ahead, Bo. Yeah, so, you know, looking at uh, the synergies between what, what happened between the Bundys and the Hammonds, um, I, I think the Bundys saw a kindred spirit there, you know, with, uh, with, with having issues with the BLM, and they thought, hey, your problem is my problem. And although they, they seemed similar, uh, the approaches there were very different, and the Hammonds were looking to handle things in a very different way. Although I got to tell you, um, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely appreciate the way the Bundys handled uh, things that went down in Bunkerville. I, I, I found that to be an impressive stand against federalism, and uh, um, I, I was actually surprised when this thing got started that the Hammonds did not kind of align themselves with the Bundys, although I, I do agree with, uh, uh, with your guest and with uh, some other callers that this is not an opportune time, especially when you consider the political climate. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're sort of all on the same page here. Yeah, the the other thing I think is very interesting about this is that um, when you when you look at the uh, the land use issues, I, you know, I heard um, I, you know I, I heard uh, your guest uh, indicate that uh, this is quote unquote federal land, and uh, you know that that's something that uh, when we look at the the you know the uh, the land clause in the Constitution uh, that Congress has the power to grant that, uh, but. Uh, really, you know, when we look at uh, that versus the Tenth Amendment, uh, we have actually a contradiction in the Constitution that has never really been uh, settled by the Supreme Court in a way that's satisfactory to most anti-federalists, in the sense that if you're looking at uh, does the land belong to a state or a county or the federal government uh, when it comes down to land use issues, uh, or even does it belong to a private Party that has occupied and used that land for a considerable amount of time, uh, I think we've got, you know, kind of four competing entities there, if you look at it in that perspective, uh, and, and the courts have really kind of wavered in the way they've dealt with land use issues. Very different, very different land use issues that were in play in the Bundy situation in Bunkerville, uh, as opposed to the land use issues that were in play with the Hammonds. Uh, but there were some similarities in the fact that you've got a BLM that basically is ringing these ranchers. They're, they're buying out all of their, uh, their fellow ranchers, and they're attempting to, to grab these lands. Now, there's been a lot of conspiracy theories about, you know, about uranium ore and Chinese buyers and all this other stuff out there. I think it's a lot of hogwash, to be honest. I think uh, you know, the simple you know, issue of, of federal control over things is much more explanatory. Now, can I ask your guest a question since he's studied constitutional law and stuff like that? I've been studying law now for about a little over three and a half years. I come across the legal doctrine called legal fiction. My understanding of legal fiction, government is considered a legal fiction. Is it not true that a legal fiction technically cannot own property? Um, not, not according to the Kelo decision. The Kelo decision basically made it so that a, a fictional uh, entity could own property, that, that in effect uh, corporations are people, 
um, as uh, Mitt Romney famously said, uh, and uh, the Kelo decision effectively granted personhood to corporations. So um, if you understand that the United States of America is in and of itself a corporation, uh, then you can understand that that right. corporation as a person, as a corporate person, can actually own property. And, and this right. is a far, far, far departure from originalism, from the originalist interpretation of the Constitution. And anybody who, who holds an originalist or anti-federalist position would, would, would take great umbrage with that. And I, and, and I guess I need to go look at that Kelo decision. I have heard it a lot because even Trump liked that decision. But I've never went and read it. But I know anybody's been studying law for any length of time, not just someone that's been doing it for five minutes, they know about the 1871 Washington, D.C. Organic Act, which created Washington, D.C. as a corporation or a municipality. And that started the downhill slide to where we are today. Yeah, the, the Constitution itself actually allocated uh, the the uh, the provision of, and this was this was due to the arguments of the Federalists. If you read the uh, the, fe- the Federalist Papers, um, that uh, there there was a strong desire to keep uh, Washington D.C. completely separate from any state entity and from any state oversight. So they created a a 10 square mile provision uh, for the for the, uh, the the District of Columbia to be a completely independent entity. And in fact, a lot of constitutionalists argue that uh, the District of Columbia should not have its own representation, that it, 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 should, not, uh, it should not actually have uh, standing uh, as a, uh, in Congress. There, there's a lot of uh, concern about that. Uh, but I think that, that the big issue when it comes to federalism and when it comes to uh, the federal ownership of property uh, is really the property clause. And the property clause uh, is found in Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2, um, and effectively what the property clause says is the Congress shall have the power to dispose of and make all needful rules and regulations respecting the territory or other property belonging to the United States. This is a very, very confusing part of the Constitution. It's probably uh, one of the most misunderstood parts of the Constitution. One could argue that it's even more misunderstood than the Second Amendment um, it, because what it says is uh, – is it, it's, it's actually um, an enigma wrapped in a riddle when it says that property belonging to the United States, it's actually defining itself by defining itself. And this is actually bad law. So we actually have yes. a, a fundamental defect in the Constitution in the property clause. And, and the, the courts have never really dealt with the fact that, that a law cannot define itself. It has to actually rely upon a, a previous legal definition in order to be defined or a common definition to be defined. And the problem with the property clause is that it defines territory or property belonging to the United States without defining what that property is. And so we have, we have issue with you know, the Bundys, with uh, the BLM, with all of the Western lands that are owned by the federal government uh, that are called into question when it comes to the property clause because the property clause does not effectively define what the federal government can or cannot own. And, and again, for the listeners, that's Article 4, Section 3, Clause 6. Very good analysis. <laughs> Very good. Wow. So where does this, uh, where does this bring us? What's the sum total of, of all this? And, and you have the fact that you have armed men 
uh, you know, at this compound. You have the government surrounding them. You have the Obama administration hoping that something goes wrong. You have us talking about it, hoping that, you know, we can maybe grab an ear to, to, to get some sense into them so we can, we can all come home peacefully yeah. and we're all fine. Where does this, what's the sum total? Where does this leave us? And that, that's my question. My sense is um, that, my sense is that uh, we're we're looking at uh, a stand down that's eventually going to happen. Um, if the stand down doesn't happen, this goes two ways. Um, uh, the first way is that it goes the way of Bunkerville, where the government stands down to the to the uh, to the armed citizens, the armed people. Um, I don't think that that was a very um, uh, favorable thing uh, for the government uh, to have seen in, in the general public. And given statements made by Barack Obama that in 2016 he is, quote, unquote, going for broke, um, I don't think that, uh, that that's, that's in line with his goals for you know, disarmament or for, you know, for gun control or any, anything that, uh, that lines up with his base. The, the bigger concern is that if it goes the other direction, if it goes the direction of a siege, as was previously mentioned, by the way, siege mentality, you know, is, is an awful thing, you know, to – I don't think that any um, military tactician would say, "Hey, we're going to walk into a siege." Right. <laughs> I think that's one of the dumbest. One of the dumbest. Right. You know, I, I, I've written. For, you know, I'm a Navy veteran. I've written for Proceedings Magazine and uh, and uh, the magazine of the United States Naval Institute. And uh, you know, looking at naval history, looking at military history, no no military mind has ever said. We are going to go into a place where we intend to be ringed by the enemy and then wait it out. That's the dumbest thing that could ever be thought of. Exactly. I I don't know where these guys – Do you think that it's possible that they do have an exit strategy at this point? I mean, if they – I mean, they can't just be going in there without any thought. I mean, they must have – I imagine they must have thought this out a little bit. So yes, we're we're entering into a siege uh, position um, where it doesn't make any sense to me. But my, I'm sort of hoping that they do have an exit strategy. Maybe that exit strategy is to stand down. But would standing down do anything? Uh, but before anybody answers that, I, I have a lot of callers live online and a lot of people just coming in, and I just want to uh, let them know what we're talking about. Uh, so we have a huge incident today um, in the state of Oregon. Uh, we have a family there who is fighting the federal government over land issues, and they decided to take the route of putting together a people's grand jury in order to fight the government. And they, they were doing this in a lawful way. They even put together their own militia who was going to execute on a presentment, or another word for it would be indictment, because the law enforcement agencies were not executing on these indictments of of uh, evidence that public officials committed crimes. Okay, so what what do they what do they do? Well, they put together a militia so that the militia can execute on these um, on these presentments or indictments against officials accused of crimes. Um, now, the Bundy people, from what I understand, they you know be, became familiar with the case because of the similarities and probably sympathized with the Hammonds and came in to offer assistance. Now, they didn't just come in yesterday. Uh, they've been there for a couple of weeks now, uh, maybe more. And uh, the siege, which took place, I'm not sure if it was last night or to this morning, uh, so they end up taking over a federal building 
which some of my guests are, are kind of talking about the, the legal about, you know, who owns it, the federal government, the state, the city, you know, can they do that? What is their options? We're sort of coming to the conclusion that they don't have many uh, because now the government can take away their phone service, their food, you know, they could just really hold them in there and, and until they're dead, you know, really. Or another option for the government can be because they just passed a new law uh, saying that they can use drones to bomb innocent Americans. This is what's going on in our country, in the big picture. And the big picture is that the government is, they took the Constitution and they threw it in the garbage. And, and they said, we don't want to use this because we don't want you to have rights. You don't want, we don't want you to get a hearing. We don't want you to get notice. We want to be able to do whatever we want to you, whenever we want. This is wrong. And, and, and again, this is not everyone that works with the federal government is doing this. People inside the federal government understand this is happening, and they don't want it to happen either. But the reality is that we have to convince the public that the mainstream media, they're not going to give you this information. Uh, they, they, they don't want you to, you know, they'll call us conspiracy theorists. They'll call, you know, they'll call us names. And sometimes calling somebody a name seems to be, you know, sufficient. And they do that without any evidence. Uh, but because it's beaten into you, beaten into you on every news channel, you know, that the government is great and you are wrong and you're a conspiracy theorist and you must be a terrorist and the government has to keep us safe. And they're just brainwashed into this and so part of the part of the reason why i have my show imploding the illusion is because i'm trying to implode this illusion into the truth and the way that i do that is by bringing in experts who can talk about it um intelligently and and we can have a discussion uh, so so that's where we're at right now and i want to bring in my co-host ethan gonzalez uh he has also called in have you been listening fred you're on live Ephraim, are you there? Yeah. Hey. How are you, Raquel? Yes. Uh, I'm pretty yes, good. I, I have been listening, and one thing I did want to say, I, I think the commentary has been fantastic because it's very informative. What I did want to add is that just recently, in the last four years, uh, it was brought to my attention that the government bought more ammunition under the Obama administration than three previous administrations combined in terms of uh, 22 cows and, you know, it's unbelievable. But this agenda of homeland security is actually uh, homeland uh, sabotage because what it's doing is it's, and this land grab is primarily with the use of these FEMA camps. I wouldn't be surprised if the government has, uh, an intention to make this federal land uh, into FEMA camps so that they can incarcerate people. And I'm talking about mass incarceration. Now, they'll call me a conspiracy theorist for saying that, but the, the proof is in the pudding. They're buying strategically land and places. They're seizing it. And they're taking it, and I believe that their agenda is to create total carnage against the people of the United States of America. That's just my opinion. What do you think about that, Chuck? I think he's, uh, he, he's pretty much right because we see that the system itself is preparing administratively to deal with, or I, I'm not, dealing with is, is the wrong uh, word, by kidnapping 
rounding up Americans and placing them in a, a, a marked location where we are marked ourselves, and if we decide to leave, you know, they'll, 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 they'll use deadly force on us. There's uh, the Army Manual, which I talked to you about at length, and you, you, I think you, you reviewed that. And that job title that the Army has that pertains to that manual is being uh, staffed right now. It's, it's, it's open. It's an open position that they're looking for people to fill that right now. So he's absolutely right where the system is already prepositioning itself to do exactly that. And if I may add, Raquel, uh, the reason why they were buying all this ammo, and everybody would say, well, conventional wisdom will tell you that they're going to use it against the people. Really what it was, it was a double-edged sword. They want to keep it away from the people, and they're not going to tell us where they're keeping it, and then they'll have it when uh, this uprising occurs. And it's going to be very difficult. There are some people, though, who do store ammo and they protect themselves. Those are good law-abiding gun, you know, gun rights uh, citizens that they, they exercise their gun rights, their Second Amendment rights. But to me, a knowledgeable mind is one that knows when to engage, knows when to retreat, and knows when and how to pick their fights. This is going to be the battle of the will in the next 12 months because Obama is on an agenda. And he will exercise whatever deals he's made with the international uh, community and the powers that be to take it out on us, because I believe that was the overall agenda, was to control the United States of America. And that's what they want to do. Now, What do you think you about were... that, Bo? Yeah, uh, you know, you know, I, I um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call that a conspiracy theory, uh, and I'm gonna say okay. that um, there's actually, there's actually a much more readily available conspiracy, uh, which it, which is not the internment and resettlement operations, but also, but, but actually, uh, UN Agenda 21, which is designed to get us out of the rural areas, and I think that that is much more aligned with what we're seeing here with the Bundys with the Hammonds and with all of these other, you know, kind of rural realignments uh, with the expansion of uh, massive farming operations from corporate farms like, you know, driven by Monsanto and DuPont and others, uh, that we're seeing a a drive towards moving people into these massive city centers uh, that that once people are moved into city centers and out of the rural areas, that then then the government has tighter control over, over people. And effectively, what we have then is we have prison cities. We have the ability for them to control access into and out of. I mean, it just takes a cursory view of YouTube and, you know, inland border checkpoints uh, within a 100-mile zone of, the, of the, uh, the borders to understand that we already have internal border checkpoints. It takes a, a very basic understanding of the fact that now with the Real ID Act and the fact that we have, uh, you know, the, the inability for certain people of certain states to be able to fly commercially uh, because we have an inland border uh, 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 papers act that effectively you have to have a passport uh, that is your your state con- uh, state unconstitutional ID uh, that is now a federal ID uh, that will allow you to travel between state to state. But now we we're we're moving to a place very very quickly where you will not be able to leave the city that you're assigned to and travel to another city. You will not be able to live in the in the country. You will not be able to operate a farm because all farms will be operated. Uh, by globalist, corporatist entities that are controlled by uh, the government, that are controlled by para-government organizations, 
And this is why I think, you know, fascist operations where you have a conflation of government and corporations is very dangerous. And Raquel and I differ on this because I think Donald Trump is a corporate fascist. And, and I, I, I think that, uh, you know, that there's, there's definitely danger in, in blending the, the corporations with the government. And I think that that's, that's where all of this is heading. If you really kind of read, read between the lines, if you really read the tea leaves, uh, if you read the UN policy papers, if you read, uh, you know, the, the resettlement and internment operations papers, this is where they're trying to move us to. That is really, really interesting. I know, you know, I understood the part about uh, moving people into the cities. Um, and, uh, and I agree uh, that that's part of the agenda. And, you know, that we already sort of have these situations like in New York City. So if you're, if you're a New York City resident, while you can come and go as you please, you know you can't, you can't have a gun. You can't even have a pocket knife in New York City. Well, so it's no, not, it's, you can't. You're right. You can't. You know, so, so we're talking about, you know, it's almost like it's preparing itself for that place with, you know, the supreme control. Um, and I do think, and I don't disagree with you about the, the idea of the corporate and the political um, together, you know, the government and the corporations. And that's what, you know, I think they work hand in hand, quite frankly. I think the government, the corporation, they work, and the media, they all work hand in hand. And they're all against individual, um, just the individual, let's say, like you said, like individuals aren't going to own the farms. Well, they've already, you know, they spent quite a bit of time getting rid of individual farms, you know, over the course of a couple of decades. And I've seen that in upstate New York, of which I own, uh, I own some property in Schaharie County. And that, that's a real country town. You know, it's a real country town. And, and it, was used, it used to be filled with farms, just filled with farms. And, and they're all, you know, slowly but surely, they're just disappearing. And I, don't, I never really understood why. Um, but uh, I do see that uh, it's easier to contain people, particularly when they're already contained. Uh, they're already contained. They already don't have any guns. We, we already know that. There's, 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 private citizens just simply cannot get a, 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 a concealed carry permit um, in New York City. Um, it, it's virtu- same thing with New Jersey. Um, in New Jersey, forget about it. Uh, it, it. In fact, New Jersey, it's just a, it's just illegal to carry. Period. Uh, with special exceptions. Uh, yeah, yeah if, you're, if you're found with even a, a round of ammunition in in New Jersey, uh, you are you're going to be uh, uh, sentenced to, to prison. Uh, it's, Correct. It's, it's a right. felony. Right. It's incredible. Um, right. I, I, I'd right. love to answer your question about you know about you know why why the farms are disappearing in upstate New York. There's actually an answer, Kel. Yes, please. please. The Thank answer, please. The answer, the answer is um, this is a multi-layered, systematic approach uh, to uh, the Agenda 21, and the multi-layered approach is that banking has actually made it impossible for farmers to be able to farm without getting loans to be able to farm. In order to, to have the operating capital to, to be able to buy the seeds that you need to buy every season, you need to be able to get a bank loan. The reason you need to have a bank loan is because Monsanto has made it so that you have to buy the seeds because you cannot seed save. Because if you want to take advantage of their seed programs, and by the way, if you don't take advantage of their seed programs, they will sue you out of existence if you don't buy their seeds because they will pollute your property with their seeds and then sue you saying that you violated their intellectual property. So now you have to Holy buy my seeds. And to do that, you have to, go, you have to go to the bank and you have to get a loan. 
To get a farm loan from the bank, you have to go in, into incredible debt. You have to mortgage everything you own. And, and when you cannot pay that back, who owns it? The bank does. Who does the bank sell it to? The bank sells it to corporate farming interests. The corporate farming interests run by Arthur Daniels Midland, run by DuPont, run by subsidiaries of, our, of, 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 uh, of Monsanto and others. These guys are, are all setting up uh, to, to provide, you know, they, they basically, are, they are the soylent green of the future. They're, they're literally just turning, turning the entire planet into one big manufacturing machine for them to be able to consolidate us into cities, get us off the farms and get us into these big prison cities. So when you look at this, you know, from, from their agenda and you, and you roll back all the layers, you see that there is no possible way that a person can actually ranch, can farm, can do anything without permission from the federal government, without, without uh, violating some patent of Monsanto, without getting a, a bank loan for operating capital. And, and by the way, this is happening with, the, with the, uh, the Hammonds and the Bundys out in Oregon, because in order for them to be able to pay the high fees that are being placed on them by the BLM, they have to be able to go and get op- bank loans and operating capital, and, or they have to reduce their herd size you know, to basically not be able to produce as, much, as many head of cattle uh, within their herds because they can't afford to pay for the grazing rights to the land that they need to be able to graze a large, large number of cattle. So they're in constant balance. This is just actuarial. And, and the actuaries in the government, at the UN level, at the, the elitists, at the corporatist level, they've, they've already figured this out. And they've decided that we have a plan to get everybody off the farms, to get everybody into the prison cities, and to hand everything over to our corporate interests. And it is happening. And if you can't see it, you're blind to it. Let me ask you something. So how is it that uh, they were able to manipulate? Did they pay off Congress to pass these laws that make, make it um, make the private farmer, you know, push the private farmer out? Is that how, the, how they were able to do it? Have, have they bribed Congress to pass these laws? And then they're like hidden in these omnibus bills that we don't know anything about? Uh, I think the answer is inherent in your question, Raquel. Uh, I think I think you well know that they've been bought off and paid off. I think that you well know that it that uh, there there are lobbyists that have been paid for by these these major interests. That um, all of the laws, all of the bills are written um, not by lawyers that are in Congress. In fact, nobody in Congress ever sees the bills or even reads the bills anymore. Uh, you 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 have a, a very narrow right. segment segment of Congress. You've got. You've got folks like, uh, like you know, Justin Amash and, and Rand Paul and a few, you know, a narrow band of folks that are actually standing up and pounding their chests and saying, hey, guys, we need to read the bills. Uh, but nobody else in Congress is actually complaining about it. They just sign the bills because that's what they're paid to do. You've got, you know, you've got, uh, you know, Republican congressmen going out, out and handing out, you know, stacks of cash to people to vote for, you know, uh, tobacco bills. And you've got folks on the, the Democrat side that are handing out stacks of cash to vote on, uh, you know, bills for Planned Parenthood and other, you know, other uh, left-wing agenda. It, it doesn't matter which side you're on. At the end of the day, uh, it's the public, it's the, gen- the, the, you know, the average person out there that, that thinks that they're actually having some effect by actually pulling a lever in a voting booth, when in fact all of the leverage that's held uh, within this country is held by powerful corporations that are pulling the strings through lobbyists that are spending millions and literally billions of dollars uh, buying Congress people, uh, buying off every seat that they have to to be able to get these things done, and, and writing the laws. They're controlling all of the corporate interests. You look at the, the, the conflation between the, the Supreme Court 
and uh, pharmaceutical and uh, and uh, biotech companies like like Monsanto. And you have a huge right. like you know Justice Clarence Thomas is is a former Monsanto uh, guy. You know, so oh, how boy. are they? They yeah. never recused himself in any of the things that came before the Supreme Court. You know, so so you've got all of these things that that keep piling up. And you've got, you know, small ranchers and landowners out there. They're just trying to eke out a living. They want to raise their, they want to raise their cattle. They want to raise their sheep. They, I grew up in West Texas, Raquel. I, I grew up raising Ramboulet sheep. I grew up, you know, uh, you know, on a, working on a horse ranch, you know, uh, most of my, my teenage years. Um, you know, I know the land. I, I know what it's like to actually work hard and actually be out there. But you know what? All that's been being taken away from regular Americans, from real Americans who actually want to actually just be able to raise, you know, raise cattle, raise sheep, raise chickens, you know, do whatever they have to do to be able to survive. Because all this is going to, you know, major corporate, you know, farming operations like Hormel and, uh, you know, these major beef operations and, and things like that. They're all fully corporatized. There's, there's very, very little room for the small guy anymore. Well, boy, that me, sounds it's me, a disaster. Yeah, I, I'm going to let you talk, Brian, just one second. I just want to let everyone know that um, I could only do 90 minutes uh, because I have to head out myself. Um, so we have about eight and a half minutes left because at the end of the program, we're going to do our tradition, um, which is sing this, the Star Spangled Banner. And I'd like everyone to, to uh, part, part, participate in that. Um, so. I'm going to want to get Brian. I want you to have a last word, and then I want um, Chuck to have a last word, and then we'll probably be ready uh, to sing. And you don't have a choice. And Bo, you have to join us too. So we'll, we're going to sing to uh, West Point Glee Club on Veterans Day. It's an awesome um, little bit of a fast-paced version, uh, but I think you'll I think you really like it. My sincere pleasure. Awesome. Okay, Brian, go ahead. You got two minutes. What we were saying about the corporate government partnership, in my studies in law, I come across John Locke and his two treaties of government, which goes back to the late 1600s. This is how it's always been, is government and corporations work together to get laws passed to where you're forced to buy their stuff. If you're not going to be part yeah. of that, you're not going to be on. You're not going to be in, inside it. That's why the farmers that don't want to be part of it are pushed out. So this is not anything new. It's just um, no. they've kind of you know perfected it, or they, they've made it gigantic. You know, it's huge. There is no. We don't have any farming anymore. We don't have any production. Everything we buy is from out of the, is from China. I mean, we're, we're doing nothing here, and it's not. I don't think it's because we don't want to. I don't think. It's, I think that um, the American people are very ingenious, and they can do these things. But we're being prevented by the government's laws because of the corporate uh, influence. Yes. How do we get out of it? How do we get out of it? There is no easy. There is no easy way. Go ahead. Well, honestly, uh, Raquel, I, I don't know how we get out of this, but I know that what we're getting into is not something that the American people want. Bringing it back to the standoff, the original issue that this this uh, show was convened for, one minute can change the course of 
of our life in this country. Things go very fast in an information age and in the time frame that we're currently living in. Tomorrow, the story can be completely different. There could be a, a, a series of a set of new variables that we might actually have another, who knows, another show to, uh, to talk about. But I do know this. If there's a shot fired in, in anger or even accidental in this issue, it's going to have national ramifications. It's not going to be one of these things where it just happens there. They're going to take this and they're going to rubber stamp something and it will be uh, imposed on the entire country. And then you really will have a big time. So what happens in the next 24 to 48 hours can actually set the tone for what this country is going to go through in the next year or so. So we're at a very touchy, very sensitive time frame right now in this country, and, and I think people need to know that. The guys need to stand down if possible. And Raquel, if I may, real quick. Uh, yes, please. The 24th president of the United States, Grover Cleveland, once said, and that's when media was media, he said, the government needs to understand its limitations, and so does corporations. It is a very fitting and telling sign of what is happening today that we had these problems, maybe not in the same, but they were discussed. We need to find a way to deal with it because this is the greatest adversary facing our people in this country right now. You know, it's interesting. Grover Cleveland was the favorite president of Ron Paul. Hmm. I'm not surprised. That's good. (laughs) That is good. (laughs) I didn't see that one coming, but thank you. (laughs) That's amazing. I, I think he's going to, like, turn into my favorite president when I start reading up on him. I'm a conservative. You know, I love JFK, um, conservative. Um, but um, I'm, I'm really nervous. I, 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 agree, with, I agree with Chuck. I, I would like to see a stand down, and, and, and I would like to see everyone to go home safely. I think most of, most of America wants that to happen today. I don't think that this standoff is helping anyone right now. Um, I think maybe it was ill-conceived, uh, but they're in it now, and, and hopefully uh, there's a means, and hopefully them, themselves have some means of, of, of getting out of this alive uh, without too many uh, repercussions for the American people, which is something that we're, we're very concerned about because we don't want them to use this as a template to go ahead and, you know, continue spying on us, continue taking away our freedom. You know, there, there's laws under Obama that we can't even grow food in our backyard. Uh, people in Florida can't go off the grid. Uh, so if you decide that you want to live in the country and you don't want it, you want to use solar power, or you don't want to be hooked up to the electricity system, guess what? You can go to jail because you're not allowed to do that by law. So, you know, a lot of these things are, you know, they do come down from the federal government, but they're also, you know, coming from the state. So the states are also being controlled. It's the same process. It's, it's, it's the payoff. Um, I'll give you this amount of money, you pass this law. This happens on the state level, this happens on a local level, this happens on a federal level, to everyone's detriment. And it seems like it's all going the same way, whether it's a Republican administration, a Democrat administration, doesn't matter. Republican, I mean, Florida's a purple state. Why is a purple state have gun control laws? Um, why that, that other states don't have? Uh, why does a purple state have laws that you can't grow food that you can't go off the grid 
uh, that you, you have to be on the electrical services. You know, why is that the case? Um, there's a lot of problems, and, and I hope, and I will continue uh, talking about it on my show every Friday night from 9 to 11 p.m., um, and the call-in number of this show and also that show, just keep it and save it because it's always the same. It's Eric 347-850-1243. Um, you're listening to Reach Out America Radio, Imploding the Illusion. And I just want to impress upon the people uh, that, the, you know, uh, insurgency is good, uh, complaining is good, redressing your government is good. It just has to be well thought out. And, and once we can do that and maybe collaborate um, nationally, first you have to collaborate locally, of course, and then you, you want to bring that out, you want to bring this information out to the, to, the, to the masses, because there's a lot more of us, and I think that there's a lot more of us who love America and who want our country to be the free country that it was meant to be where you can grow whatever you want, you can build whatever you want, uh, you, can, you can own property, and not just own the property, but you own the land behind, underneath it. In fact, you own the air above it, because, you know, they, they, the government gets you for, for, the, for the dirt under your house isn't yours. You know, it, it, this, is, this is how much they seep into individual life, our individual lives. They've just completely, you know, taken it over. It's a disaster. Um, we are getting ready to play our music. Don's Light, breaking album. this morning over the grounds of the United States Military Academy at nice West Point, New York. A most solemn place today, Veterans Day, as the country remembers the countless thousands who sacrificed for our freedoms, so many of whom were schooled on these very grounds. Ninety years ago, President Woodrow Wilson deemed November 11th Armistice Day, celebrating peace, hearkening to the end of World War I, which had drawn to an official close at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918, a peace that remains sought after still. So please join us here on SportsCenter as we begin a very special Veterans Day.
everyone that shows over. Appreciate right. it. Great show. Talk right. to you all soon. Okay. God bless. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.